Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. So I was like back like maybe a month ago and I was getting ready to prune my garden. So I prune my garden every, every fall. But last year, things got complicated, so I thought, okay, I'm going to wait until spring, before the spring, so I can prune my garden. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I went outside, and I saw that I was kind of late, because, you know, between rain and cold weather, I had not been able to work on my garden. And when I went outside, I saw a couple of trees and roses kind of flourishing. And I was like, oh... I was debating between, uh, do I prune? Because if I prune, I have to cut the little blossoms that are coming out. And then um, my favorite tree from my garden is a hydrangea. The flowers are kind of blue and purple. And this tree is my favorite. And one of the reasons that this tree is my favorite is because I don't need too much. Uh, this tree is easy, and, and um, this is the picture from my tree. I sent it to, I have it in the WhatsApp message because I sent it to my family in Mexico, and I think I posted on social media uh, last year. But to be honest, I have been pretending with this tree. I have been cheating a little bit. And I receive a lot of criticism from my brother that he is an expert in gardening uh, because the because the flowers in this tree are held up in a sturdy stems. Uh, it's so easy to grow, and it's so reliable, and without a doubt, every year I have flowers. But I want to show you a picture, and wait a little bit, I want to show you a picture of the tree from yesterday. And it's already pruned, but can you show the picture, please? So the truth is that this tree produce a lot of dead uh, stems after uh, the season. And, and my brother have been telling me, you have to clean that tree, like do a better job in pruning because you are not allowing the, the new stems, the green stems to grow, to span because a lot of dead parts in this tree. And he keeps reminding me, you are not allowing the new stems to spread the nutrients from the roots to the, the rest of the tree. And he said, you want a healthier tree. You have to take care of this tree. But my husband and I, we spent an hour pruning, and I, this is enough. Okay, got it. Let's not do it anymore. <laughs> but I'm not allowing this tree to grow. And it functions. I get flowers every year, but I'm killing my tree little by little. And I have another tree that, that Luis cut like two summers, summers ago because it was dead. And I don't do a lot of a good, a good job in pruning. So when my tree is covered with flowers and when my tree in the summer, when it's covered with green leaves, actually hides the, the dead spots. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't care too much. Uh, and sometimes in the summer, sometimes in the summer, I, I take some pictures, I send it to Mexico, I, send it, I put it on social media to, pr- to prove to everyone that I'm good, uh, good so good at gardening. <laughs> when I, the truth is I'm taking the pictures in angles, so I don't take the, 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 the uh, brown spots. 
And the truth is that I'm so lazy of doing a better job because this this tree don't don't require an hour of pruning or 30 minutes. This tree requires a lot of work, and I feel bad. I think I'm going to do it this week, this week before because when it's summer, it's too late. You're not able to do that because now you don't have room to prune the the spot because now it's mixed. So the thing that this reminds me to our spiritual walk with God. The thing is that everyone flourishes at some point, you know? Everyone here in this room had good moments with God. Everyone, and it's not about girls, everyone in the relationship with God, you flourish. Oh, he's coming. Oh, my Going to, going to look weird. So everyone flourishes at some point. We have spikes in our relationship with God and our walk with God. But the question is, is your flourishing is sustainable and is, is reliable? So like my plan, when it's summer, you can tell that this tree is half dead inside. You can tell that my tree is sick. And sometimes I forget that my tree needs some fixing. And when it's fall, and the, fall, the, the leaves fall, and when it's winter, it reveals the truth. That, hey, oh my God, I had to do a better job. And every year is the same. So I'm, uh, I'm going to try. Dad, can you help me please this year? So, but my brother is always, even when he sees flowers, he come in business and say, you need to do a better job with the tree. Say, hey, there's flowers in here. Like, Come on, but he's always in my face with because he's so serious about gardening and death, death and sick trees, so he's kind of worried about that all the time. So, in Christianity, sometimes challenging to identify and to be honest and recognize the gaps in our relationship with God. But to be honest, I believe this is the best scenario when you know what's to be changed because as my tree. I know what is going on with this tree. I need to cut the dead parts and allow the new stems to grow and bring the nutrients from the root, you know, blah, 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 the story about, about trees. I know what to, has to be done. I think the real problem in our relationship with God and the hardest thing is actually knowing what truth is. Because these days, Everyone has their own truth, right? We hear things like, am I true? Can be different than you true? And I'm not offended by your truth because it doesn't have to be my truth. And it's really leading us to a really bad path. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We are so entitled to our personal opinions, personal experiences that sometimes those opinions became our truth, even when we are wrong. Wow. And actually, it's very confusing whenever we don't have a standard of truth. We think that we are right all the time. We think that we just can do whatever we want, whenever we want, just because it's good for our lives. And it's, we think that's working for us. And when things go wrong, we complain about where we are in life. We complain and we get confused. But the, really thing, the, the, the real thing here is that we're not willing to confirm ourselves with truth. So before I continue, I want to pray. God, 
I pray this morning for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for those that are watching online. I pray, God, that we are ready to open our hearts. We are ready, God, to take those baby steps. God, I pray for my sister and my brother's heart, God. I pray for my words. I pray for my mouth, God. Use me, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we say, Amen. So today I want to encourage you to flourish. You can put the title. I want you to encourage, to encourage to flourish, but with no lies and no exaggerations. Flourish with no lies, with no religion. Flourish with, without those dead parts inside of you. So I believe that we need to be real and honest with ourselves even in those blurry areas, you need to be honest about yourself. You need to be honest with yourself about yourself. John 8, 31, 32 said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now it's not only about here, it's applying that truth in your life. And I don't know if you are aware of this or not aware of this, but people are so deceived. And it's amazing how many things we are deceived and we believe that are not true at all. I want to read in the moment of, a moment in the Bible when the truth was kind of up in the air, when everybody's confusing. And I want to read a couple of verses in John 18. This is, uh, I don't want to read the whole chapter, but this is the story when Jesus was arrested before the crucifixion. And they already arrested Jesus, and basically the Jews were fed up with Jesus. They were saying, you keep saying that you are our king, but you are not our king because our king will not look like you. Our king will be kind of taking over of the Roman Empire and defending us and fighting with us and doing some kind of uh, complaints and stuff like that. And our king will not be from Bethlehem. So, but in the Jews, Jews, uh, culture, they were not able to crucify people, to kill people. So at this point, they wanted that Jesus dead. So they told you, they went uh, to the Roman Empire and told the Roman Empire, you know, this guy is telling that he is a king and he's also trying to take over the Roman Empire. He's trying to be a, trying to be a threat to the Roman Empire. Maybe they will kill him because the Romans were able to crucify people. So they, were, uh, they needed to create uh, this blood against Jesus, and they needed to create uh, these lies that Jesus was so bad and he was so horrible. So uh, this leads to the verses that we are going to read. And now Pilate here is asking Jesus the truth. He's asking Jesus the version of his version of the, of the story here. So let's read John 18, 33, 40. It says, Then Pilate went back into the court. He called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, Do you ask me this yourself, or did the others say this to you about me? Pilate said, Do you think I'm a Jew? Your own people and religious leaders have handed you over me. What have you done? Jesus said, My holy nation does not belong to this world. If my holy nation were from this world, you were in, were in trouble. Because my helper will fight, so I will not be handed over to the Jews. 
my holy nature is not from this world. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And he said, Jesus said, you are right when you said I am a king. I was born for this reason. I came to this world for this reason. I came to speak about the truth. Everyone who is the truth hears my voice. Pilate says to Jesus, so what is true? Pilate was so confused because now Jesus is saying these things and outside of the court, people are saying that Jesus was a criminal. But as Pilate is hearing Jesus, I think he is thinking, okay, this guy is not so much a threat to the Roman Empire. And then after, after Pilate said this, he went outside to the Jews and he said, I don't think, I don't find him Guilty. So at this point, Pilate is in Jesus' side. He, he believes the truth. When he asks, what is the truth? He believes, okay, this is the truth. Jesus is true. And he finds him now guilty. So in verse 39, but every year a man who is in prison is allowed to go free at the special religious gathering to remember how the Jews left Egypt. So Pilate asks this to the people. Remember the movie? He's outside and asking the people, do you want the king of the Jews to go free? Then they, all the people, all the multitude, all the crowd, they say with loud voices, not this man, but Barabbas. I think this was kind of the way that Pilate was trying to clear the situation. I think he really believed that Jesus didn't deserve to die that day. And on the other hand, the option was Barabbas. He was a criminal. The fact where the Barabbas was a criminal and Jesus, Jesus was good. Everyone, everybody saw that he healed people. He made the blind see. He turned lives around. And the obvious things here, Pilate said, okay, they're going to release people. But these people scream, scream and say, not this man, but Barabbas. I think this is crazy. And I have been reading this story since my childhood and I'm not able to understand it. And as we continue reading, Jesus was crucified. You know the story. He, Jesus was crucified. So this means that Pilate changed his truth to what the majority believes. Yeah. How many of us are changing our truth only because the world is saying that, oh, now this is the truth. And because everyone says that, has to be true. In TikTok and in Instagram and the daily news is saying that, has to be the truth. Without even thinking, is that thing is logical? Even thinking that this thing makes sense? This thing... This true really benefit my life. I just take it. This is my truth and impacts my life in even better and worse ways. And if you look at the story and you say, why in the world do they choose Barabbas? Why would they choose something so bad for them? Why would they choose a man who actually is dangerous? and put them on the streets and they put Jesus to death well sometimes we do it with our decisions we keep making irrational decisions 
with the lies that we believe and the lies that became our truth through our journey in life. We got abused in our childhood. Now this lie becomes our entire life, our entire truth for our lives. And we swim in these lies. And now we believe that we are victims. Now we believe that we're insignificant. Now we believe that our bodies don't have any value. Now we believe that nobody can love us. Now we believe that nobody cares. Now my truth is that I'm never going to get married. My truth is that I'm never going to be able to love someone. My truth is that I can't trust no one. And my truth is that, you know, it's difficult to get people in my life because I'm afraid. I am afraid because now this lie is my reality. And now this pain defines the rest of my life. This pain, this pain now defines and changes the plan that God has for me. Because I am entitled to this, to feel this way, you know? I am entitled to feel this way because I was the one that was abused. I was the one that was mistreated. So I'm entitled to have this truth. And I'm entitled to be this unhappy person that pick and choose who comes to my life. I am entitled to be this person to pick and choose what is my truth. Jeremiah 79 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? To understand all about the difference between subjective and objective truth, I want to do an example because sometimes we don't believe this truth and this truth is objective. So I want to explain in this way because sometimes our truth can be be leading by emotions, by feelings, by preference, by personal experiences. So let me explain this. So my husband deals with multiple sclerosis and he has struggled with hot weather and hot temperatures. So his body gets tense and with heat. So really at this point of his life, he don't play with, with uh, hot uh, temperatures. So that's why you feel cold sometimes on Sundays, okay? So... So my house, all year round, is 65 degrees. So you come to my house, you have to bring a blanket, okay? So, and sometimes, and nothing every day, I complain and say, I'm cold, I'm freezing here. And he say, no, it's hot. But the truth is that the thermometer says 65 degrees. And we all know that 65 degrees is considered cold weather, correct? So the truth is, the subjective truth is that because my husband has these medical conditions, he's always tense and hot, and for him, 65 degrees is hot. But he don't change the thermometer. The thermometer is still saying 65 degrees. So in my story, the subjective truth is based on my husband's medical condition. But it's scary when our truth is subjective and based on our personal experience and our personal feelings. And that we allow our feelings to determine our truth. The only truth that we need to believe 
and how we need to filter our truths through this Bible. Because this is the word. In John 14 says, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the life. I am the way, the true and the life. And no one, no one comes through the Father if it's not through me. So the only truth that we need to believe about yourself is what Jesus says about yourself, about you. We read this story, and, and, and it's crazy that those people chose a robber, a robber and a murderer before Jesus. But sometimes us immerse in the lies and what we have learned through our journeys, we are so deceived and blind in the choices that we are making. Sometimes the truth for me are just based on my lies and my traumas that at some point in my life started becoming my truth. So as my hydrangea tree, I'm not able to grow, not because I didn't receive Jesus in my heart, not because I don't pray, not because I'm not fasting, not because I'm not reading the Bible, not because I'm not joining the church, not because I'm not cleaning, not because I'm not doing all those good parts of, of life. I'm not growing because I'm so blind of the areas that are dead inside of me. I'm so blind in the lies that I'm believing. I'm so blind because I'm flourishing. Nobody is able to see what is inside of me. And I believe Sundays is the day that we lie more of the rest of the week. Because Monday to Friday, our husband said, are you good? I'm not good. You know what happened? But Sundays, we put our face. And everybody say, hey, Jessica, how you doing? Bless and favorite. What is that word they say? Highly favorite. Bless. I'm so blessed, you know? And you lie to people. But the truth is that don't lie to God. You can lie to me. Because I think we are not ready to be honest. Because you might have said, I'm not good. I'm like, oh, I want to freak out, you know? But don't lie to people. We need to be set free from deception. Satan job has deceived you and confused you. Let's read John 8:44. And when John is writing this, he's writing this about Satan. And he says, He was a mother from the beginning. And does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Because he is a liar and the father of all lies. Satan is the greatest deceiver. And we need to be careful for the blindest parts of our life. We need to go to God and say, God, I want to learn to be honest with me about me. We need to ask God, God, help me to understand my blindness paths in my life. We need to pray as, as King David prayed in, in Psalms 139, 23, 24. He said, God, one, Psalms 139, God, investigate my life. Investigate my life. Find out everything about me. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I am about. 
get a clear picture because maybe Mahadranja is dead inside. The people can see the flowers. They're beautiful, pink and uh, purple and blue. They can see the green leaves. But God, see for yourself whenever I have done anything wrong. But look at this. It's not about condemnation because they say, then guide me on the road of eternal life. I really encourage you to learn how to be honest with yourself about yourself. It's great for us to know our strong points. You know, when you, you have a job, you take a test of, oh, what are your strong points and the, your weakness? And it's easy to say, oh, I'm good at this and that. And when I say, what is your weakness? You put one or two, you know? Because we don't know what is our weaknesses. We don't analyze ourselves to find out what is our weaknesses. So it's good to know our strong points, but we need to be well aware of our weaknesses. It's not about condemnation. It's about honesty and getting things out to the open. Because the only thing that Satan has power are those things that are hiding in the dark. When we need to get all things out to the light so they lose power over you. When you say aloud, the Satan lose power because now I'm not blind as far. Now you're recognizing I need to change this in my life. You know, it's, it's funny because sometimes it's easy to detect when something is wrong with other people. We have a task here to recognize the weakness of Pastor Becky and, and Miriam. And I, I have a list for that, you know? Sometimes when we get an argument with our spouse, we are quick to evaluate their lives. We quick to know what is wrong with them. We are experts. Because, because when they just started talking, we are, oh, let me take my notebook. We can make a report of all the things they are, they are saying. We're making a report, the, the expression. We cannot make a report of everything that is wrong with them. But we don't see the problems that are going on with us. We are so busy and seeing what is going on with him. He's screaming to me. We don't check ourselves. How do I react to the situation? What was my contribution with all this mess? I only see my husband losing his patience. But do I let him? Do I lead him to this point? Because maybe I'm so demanding, controlling, and selfish. (laughs) That he just can't handle anymore. You know? But we're just making the report of the expression that's coming out from the stress. But I'm not analyzing anything. At the end, I'm the victim. I go to my bed and cry. And I call my mother-in-law and cry. But I'm not fixing the real thing in here. Listen to this. It's not the truth about somebody that is going to set you free. It's the truth about yourself that is going to set you free. It's the truth about me that is going to set me free. And my question this morning is, if you truth set you free, Did your truth set you free? 
you truly can win an argument. But if it's not bringing freedom, if it's not bringing redemption, it doesn't have the power of this truth. Sometimes we take our own version of joy, our own version of forgiveness, our own definition of love and kindness. Sometimes we want to be our subjective truth of power. I'm so powerful. My own source of peace. And we think that we can truly can do all these things better than God. And we take this new truth with things that only God can do for your life. And when, when the problems arrive, when the, the, the issues arrive, it's too heavy for, to bear it. Now we go back to God. So whenever your love fails, then you feel, oh, I don't have love. And now I'm, I'm in love. Nobody loves me. And whenever you true actually doesn't set you free, now you are crying. Now you are confused. You feel insecure because you're putting all this weight on yourselves when it's not yours to bear it. God's truth, God's only, through God's love, God's truth, God's definition of mercy, God's definition of kindness, only with joy and peace, that's absolutely sustainable because that is the essence of everything in life. That is the source of all the love, all the compassion. First John 2.27 says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you, in your heart, so that you don't need anyone to teach you what is right. For He teaches you all things. And he is the truth and no liar. So just as he said, just must live in Christ. Never depart from this. Never depart from this. When our truth is far away from this, it's because we departed from this. The key here is that we need to be daily. Not that we have to be reading the Bible daily, but... We had to live daily and this truth. Jesus is, has to be the standard of our truth. That's right. So when we abide in him, we can bear the weight of everything that comes with life, with the journey. We never had to feel love. You never had to go a day without feeling peace, without feeling joy. Just because he is the same yesterday, Today, forever, and never. Stand to be honest to yourself and filter your truth through the lenses of God's truth. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend that you are happy. You don't have to pretend that you are joyful. You don't have to exaggerate your joy. You don't have to exaggerate your, your peace. You don't have to exaggerate that you are flourishing. You don't have to exaggerate your growth. It's time to embrace our Father and start following the lies and the half-truth about ourselves. 
false freedom, false joy. You know what is crazy about the whole situation of Jesus and Barabbas? Is that Barabbas was not only charged with theft. Actually, he was charged with, he was a murderer. He was charged with robbery. He was charged with being a rebel. You know what that sounds like? The Bible says that Satan, the thief, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So on that day, the crowd said, we would rather, rather have Barabbas. We would rather have someone who kills, someone, someone who steals, someone who destroys, instead of the true himself. Because we would rather not have Jesus running the street. Someone who makes us uncomfortable. Someone that turn tables. Someone that say the truth. Because Jesus, every time that he speaks to somebody, every time that Jesus performs a miracle, he asks for the truth. Before he delivered the Samaritan women, he said, Oh, by the way, you have five husbands, and the one that you are right now, he's not your husband. And when the, the lady touched the, Jesus' uh, the clothes, he said, Who touched me? How long you have been dealing with this? So every time that Jesus did a miracle, he requires honesty. He required that honesty from people. He was not only interested to, to heal people, because if somebody gets healing, they go back to the same stuff. But when you change your heart, when you change your will, even when you had a healing, you don't go back to the same stuff. You change everything. So Jesus was more interested in changing the heart than changing the physical needs of the people. But they say that they would rather have, not have someone running the street who make us uncomfortable. We'd rather have something that feels fine for a minute. It feels good for a minute, but in the long run, it's doing a lot more damage. There is a truth in a lie, my sister, my brother. We need to understand that. And we need to, we need to listen why we are believing. We need to stop listening to the lies that Satan has created into your life. Into your life. Choose Jesus to, today. Choose to be real. Choose to be honest with yourself. Psalms 1, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 says, How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked. That means that how blessed are the ones that don't follow the crowd, that don't follow what others are believing they don't follow the truth of the crowd, the multitudes, or stand in the pathways with sinners or sit in the assembly of the scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on his commandments day and night. This, this person, he stays in the objective truth of God and his Bible and his truth. And this person, Reflect in the, his commands, even in his disagreements. Because even in his disagreements, he brings peace. He brings love. He brings mercy. He brings compassion. He's like a tree planted by flowing streams. He yields his fruit at the proper time. And his leaves never fall off. 
he succeeds in everything that he attempts. This lady, this man, this brother, this sister is flourishing. It's flourishing, but with no lies and no exaggerations. Now, you know, I had times in my life that I had chose Barabbas for my life. I had chose to believe in lies that don't come from God. I chose Barabbas when I don't love myself. I had chose Barabbas when I believe in the lies that that just speak dead to my life. When I'm judging other people, when I'm manipulating my family, my husband, when I'm controlling everything around me, when I believe in my truth, when I believe that my truth is all those dead parts inside of me. And I'm not saying today that your traumas are all lie and that your pain is subjective. But I want to encourage you today that flourish but with honesty and take the same step that you take when you go through a physical pain, take the same steps. When you have pain, you go to the doctor, right? So look for the same kind of help with the things that are going on with your life, with the traumas and the lies of your life. You the same prayer. God, you know, God, today I don't feel love. You start to say, you know, God, I'm lost. You know, God, I'm grieving. You know, God, I'm done. So the same way that we pray, God, I have a headache, God, I have cancer. With the same prayer, you have to take the same steps for everything that's going on and everything that's dead in your life. Amen. We need to do the same steps for our pains, for our doubts, for our insecurities. It's not all about prayer. Sometimes we need to see a professional. Because when we have cancer, we go see a doctor. We just don't come here and pray because we know that God gave the wisdom to people to be experts in something. So we need to take the same steps because also we need to pray and be proactive and praying for that. Be proactive when your marriage has fallen. Be proactive when everything is going wrong. Be proactive when you are acting weird. Be proactive when you have an argument because maybe it's not just just spouse. Maybe it's something inside of you. And you need to detect that. You need to say like, God, investigate my heart. Examine my heart. Cross examine my heart. Because it's not that maybe your husband is, is too direct or is too mean. Maybe you let him to that point of breaking or the breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. Very good. You know, pray and be proactive because God said that he take even the fragments of your life and do something amazing with that. He, does, he doesn't waste even your pain. There is nothing that is unredeemable by God. 
God can. He is the redeemer and he can redeem anything. That's why no person in this room and no person that's watching online can say, you know, it's not hope for me. You know, I have I had this since I was a child. Remember the, the, the boy with demons inside? Jesus asked the father how long he had been dealing with this. And you think they, maybe it's not hope for me because everybody pray for me. I went to the altar and I pray a hundred times and nothing is changing. God is able to redeem, but you have to bring it to light. Because God is, Jesus, Jesus was able to, to tell the Samaritan women what, is going, what was going on with her. But he, he kind of asked her a couple times. He kind of digging, digging into the truth, but he was not able, he didn't want to say it. So Jesus is not going to come and say, hey, Jomaira, this is going on with you. You pray and ask God, investigate my life. God, what is going on with me? Because God is a redeemer. And he bought us with his blood. And everything in our life can be redeemed and turned into something good. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.